After no delays, we are finally back here. Uh, the DRS zone. Um, we haven't had a much of a hiatus, but it may be a misconnection in some ways. I've, uh, I'm still feeling a little emotionally hungover from uh, celebrating Kevin Magnuson's uh, <laughs> points here. <laughs> and I'm sure AMG Dens, uh, have you been feeling any type of way about Team Mercedes here recently? Oh man, well, you know, you, you always want the Giants to continue the, the progress and uh, carry the baton. But of course, going through some difficult times. But the saying is, you know, uh, tough people last, tough times never last. So we're just going to continue pushing. There's already uh, a lot of talk on the streets about a new floor that may be introduced to Australia, if not Imola. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, there's lots of positives to take away amongst the, the things that could be improved as well yeah let's actually back up before i hop in it too much how how rude of me i should say how is the how is the weather over there on uh your region of the pond or across the uh, pond region of the pond yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been something else this week um so the week before we were having like highs of like 21 degrees celsius which in the, in the uk we take that man that's 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 beautiful and then um this week it just took a, a weird like turn for like the worst so i was waking up in the morning seeing frost on the cars and then out of nowhere there were like snowflakes I'm like, what the hell it's like the middle of spring like where <laughs> where is like all of this stuff coming from where was the snow during christmas when we needed it yeah oh uh, yeah no we we had snow here in michigan literally yesterday in the last few days on and off it's it's just it's it's stupid i can't even describe it but you can see me right now i'm on the beach uh on mclaren beach yeah <laughs> i'm on mclaren beach progress still loading on the season but uh we'll see hey. i don't i think they rumor has it on the street i can't confirm this they got google chrome on the wheels to sponsor them but instead it's actually internet explorer so <laughs> we'll uh we'll see what happens here but uh it's it's and i meant to ask too when i was in my off let's call it the off week here i had a great discussion and i'd be curious to hear your take on it um america here call me um humbly ignorant in some ways but why does Formula One not have an all-star race? Why is there not an all-star weekend in Formula One? I'd love to answer the question there, RJ, but honestly, I don't even know for myself. And that's been a very high talking point for quite a couple of years. Like, why is mm -hmm. there not like an all-star race? Uh, why is there not like an exhibition event where maybe, you know, it's not like a sprint race of such, but maybe you have drivers driving different cars or swapping cars to see how that dynamic plays out. Mm -hmm. Or maybe as well, like having like um, a reverse grid where maybe the faster guys start at the back and slow guys at the front and see how that would work out as well. Um, there's so many different things you could do with the formula of sport. And I think one credit we have to give Liberty is that you can already see the tinkering around with it. Uh, they've sustained the sprint races for this season and I think we're going to have three of them, but uh, two of them will be in different places and uh, no doubt as well. I think as time goes by, I think they will continue to tweak and mess around with different things as well because even this year, you've seen that they've dropped the Q2 tyre rule as well. So a mm -hmm. lot of the things that Formula 1's been quite stubborn to change, um, we're seeing a, a slight change and, and variation on. And I think as long as we, as the fans, continue to air our voices, continue to like make ourselves heard, then there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't be done. And just outside of Formula One as well, there's other e, like not e, but like um, like competitive like um, 
one-off competitions they do, like the Race of Champions, for example. We had uh, Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher, a couple of, of the rally guys, a couple of the IndyCar guys, all in one place competing, I think, in Finland uh, this year or Sweden. Yeah. This year. So, um, yeah, there's, there's so many options. And I'm sure that, you know, once they can kind of get the teams on board and hopefully if it's not going to be more expensive for the teams or drivers to sustain, then it's something that definitely could be done for the future. Yeah, I was going to say, I was about to ask if it was Finland or Sweden, but I know it was one one of those. And that was actually really cool to see. The, my idea behind an all-star race is, uh, I'll get into my main talking point a little bit with Liberty Media here. We'll, we'll, we'll chat about it, especially with the Las Vegas Grand Prix coming up here. But um, my big thing was like, I, in my head, I was like, you know, if you did an all-star weekend, we talk about expanding it to 30 races. That's a logistical nightmare. We could talk all day about driver fatigue, all like that. But something simple just to do, my mind, all-star race, stock cars or, or stock go-karts, Make it like a Mario Kart double dash type track where it's just an oval, do a time trial, make it easy, make it fun, make it a reason just for the drivers to actually, you know, like kind of a homage to why they got into the sport and stuff like that. I, I think it'd be cool, but um, that's just me. And it comes back to one of my talking points in the off week here, let's call it, that I've actually really been meaning to chat with you about is uh, Liberty Media and F1 announcing the Las Vegas Grand Prix going forward. And... There's been some discussion in particular here. Um, one of it being is that, you know, Liberty Media going forward, possibly taking an American aspect of the sport to an extreme where as Americans, I think we unfortunately get an international reputation of ruining things quickly. You know, we're not, we're not good ambassadors of our country and maybe we're not being good ambassadors of F1 by expanding stuff too quickly. Um, so my big takeaway is I just hope as an American-owned sport, if you will, I just don't want to see F1 proverbially be ruined. And I say that lightly because I don't know enough about F1 for it to be ruined. Um, but with everything you know, going forward, obviously we have Vegas coming up. And that's a great way for America to prove that we can get it right. Even Miami hasn't happened. When you heard that Vegas was announced, what was your initial reaction? Um, I wouldn't say I was surprised, RJ. I think that mm -hmm. Liberty have been quite transparent about them wanting to expand Formula One in America. And people forget as well and need to remember that America's huge, like it's humongous. Just like one state could be its entire own country, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think people need to acknowledge that as well. But yeah, I can understand the mixed feelings because on one side you really try you really are trying to engage uh americans and show like a different uh audience of people the sport uh for many years the the viewing in america for formula one had maybe been a bit lower than the previous regime had wanted there was even a disaster i think it was in 2005 or 2006 with some tire gate issues at indianapolis yep <laughs> and uh, i'm sure that could have its own episode as well if people are you know are wanting to do some research or wanting to know what happened there but yeah i'm yeah, um, you know there's that side of it that you want to build the sport and potentially you know make it even more profitable and more sustainable for the next people that will take it over in the future but at the same time as well yeah there are concerns to be raised as well because it's in Las Vegas um, we don't even want to think about what the tickets are going to cost because if we have to take any idea just going off of Miami it's mm -hmm. not going to be you know the average working man or the middle class guy that will probably get the, the best experience from it it's going to be you know the rich and the, the more comfortable people that will get the kick out of it and 
yeah it, it's it's it then makes you question we race is one and all these other things that they talk about but then they're not trying to bring the sport to everybody like wholesomely they're just trying to basically fill their pockets and appeal to one category of people which i think is the issue there and it's not even just a case like a european person like me might not be being able to go but even just guys like you are on that side of the pond as well like have already come out and said oh this this isn't worth it and people have to bear mm-hmm. in mind just attend the formula one grand free it's a lot you need hotels you need travel if you have kids you need childcare. just like it's not easy, you know, and I get that it's entertainment and I get it's a business, but still it's the fans that sustain the sport. So you've got to find uh, a middle ground. And then also, uh, another thing you touched on there as well was um, mm-hmm. we've got three races in America, but no races in South Africa or, or in mm-hmm. not just South Africa, but Africa as a content itself. Yeah. No races in the Caribbean. You know, there are many other places around the world where they could, you know, if they really wanted to, they could invest the money and make Formula One sustainable and give also a wider demographic of people the opportunity to. And they've not been heard yet. So you've also got people crying out. And uh, shout out to my friend Lamin as well. He was like, <laughs> uh, soon they're going to have to change the um, the name from World Drivers Championship to the NAMEEC. So that's going to be the North American Middle Eastern Championship. Because <laughs> it's just going to be the Middle East and North America, which I found quite amusing to hear. But at the same time, it's a fair jam. Stands. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's fair play, you know. I don't think that one was too low behind the belt. So, yeah, it, it's mixed feelings, and I think also a third factor you also have to look at is just the actual layout of the circuit too. Like, yeah. it doesn't really look like anything we've seen from the renders. But having said that, it doesn't look like the most innovative, groundbreaking. Like you know, like awesome circuit ever. But I guess you get that when you try and build a, a temporary street circuit, like you know, in a already built up, highly developed, like uh, social economical area, being Las Vegas, you know, and you can't mm-hmm. move certain buildings and and just to even get the planning permission permits and stuff like that signed off is a nightmare as well. So we'll see. I think time will tell. But um, there's there's definitely a lot of um, cool quirks to come out of it and. It's almost as if they're taking the DNA of a, of a, a night race or something like a Singapore, that kind mm-hmm. of like uh, glitz and glamour, and this is going to be the next jewel on the calendar that everybody will love to see. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's a. Pr- I mean, it's so it's it's from my takeaway from it too. This is Thanksgiving weekend, which is a huge national holiday, obviously in America, and it's it's the Saturday. Um, of Thanksgiving, which is going to be perfect because a lot of people are going to be home. It's going to be great for a lot of eyeballs. They're definitely intentional with when they did it, which is awesome. From a fan perspective in America, traveling from Thanksgiving to go there, uh, my girlfriend would proverbially and maybe literally shoot me if I went to that race and how much money <laughs> I have to spend. Spend. Uh, it's almost like traveling on like you know Christmas Eve or something like that uh, and not being with family. It's just you can't really justify it unless you really go all out. So. I think they'll run it obviously really well. It was very intentional. I think the one thing that was overlooked initially when I was, you know, I've been a, a, a the devil's advocate for not having a race in Vegas, uh, admittedly early on when I heard, but when I think about it now, I actually see it in some ways being more successful than Miami. Grand, none of them have happened. We don't know what's good. You know, the first time running a race, you're not going to know what you did wrong until it's been done wrong. Um, I think Vegas, though, in this case, I'm a little more optimistic because they're used to hosting bigger events. Uh, I think logistically, it'd probably be better for fans, too, 
as much as it's going to be an arm and a leg proverbially and maybe literally to actually get there and pay and everything like that i do think it will be set up better than what miami was because when i was doing the math on going to like a race in miami i could literally you know there's there's circuits in europe i could literally travel to europe take time off work get an average joe ticket and still save a bunch of money and still probably have just as good of a time so uh i we, they know the market. They know, obviously know what they're doing. I just am a little more optimistic with Vegas at this point, but it goes back to exactly what you're saying is adding these circuits. It's going to grow the sport. It's going to generate more revenue in any business that makes sense. But is it truly better for the sport? If it's an exposure metric, sure, I completely agree with it. If it's actually for a driver's driving for driving sake, are these circuits really that unique? Uh, remains to be seen, you know, you could have a boring race, a boring race track and still have an exciting race, you know? Um, so I, I see both sides of it, but I'm with you. I really hope if they would expand, let's expand into areas that we haven't had before, like a Johannesburg, somewhere in Africa, make the world champion, a world champion at the end of the day. So, so that's been on my mind and I always love chatting and hearing your take on it too, but I just, uh, couldn't get that off my chest quick enough. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, man, like it was, they just drove, well, first of all, they just dropped it on us, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think again, like you said, they've been really strategic because they could have told us at any point that this was going to happen, but they left it on like a kind of hi hiatus week of such when there was, the, the news was a bit slow. There wasn't really anything going on between the two weeks and they just dropped it there. And then, yeah, they they know that, you know, the celebrities are already mm -hmm. going to start be like booking their tickets. They're, they're going to probably have like um, a special kind of street day a couple of weeks before where like, you know, they have some demonstration runs where fans can go and check it out. And yeah, imagine if you're just in Vegas at the time anyway, and then, you know, you've got the idea of like being able to actually see the Formula One cars there you know it, it's it's cool in that aspect you can't take that away from it and also if the racing is better therefore i know i'm gonna rile up quite a few people up but who's to say that las vegas might become like the the successor to a place like monaco where mm -hmm. like the cars basically you can't upgrade monaco anymore it is what it is the cars are getting bigger but the track isn't What's to say that maybe a Las Vegas, where it's a newer circuit and it's been designed with these cars in mind, might become the standardized like jewel of the calendar. Like Las Vegas becomes the Monaco of the F1 calendar in a sense. Yeah, that's actually a great perspective I hadn't thought about before, Dens, because Monaco, as Daniel Ricardo would would claim, is in, in American terms the Super Bowl of races. You know, that's the big one you want to win, the granddaddy of them all. Um, to quote some of our other friends here in the states, but. Uh, I do like the take that you said, though, where really what what is in in innovative about Vegas is that really will be one of the first circuits with the cars in mind. Miami was already being built, obviously, with the new cars in mind, but we hadn't really seen them perform. So that would be unique to get, you know, a track inside a perspective of how they'll alternate it. But um, if anything, maybe what America can get right or Vegas can get right is what will make those cars more exciting. And even though right now we proverbially think you know, the initial layout just looked like a bunch of straightaways. It's pretty much just a square or a rectangle, let's be honest. So maybe with this track, they will get it right. And that, that will be a good stepping point. I just think, you know, like you had said, uh, prior to us coming on, at least with being ambassadors to our countries and stuff like that, I just don't want to see America be responsible for any demise of F1. And we can't obviously predict what's going to happen in the future, but we do know now so i think there has to be as just a general f1 fan you have to be skeptical about how quick some of these circuits go up and their justifications for them 
Um, and that's the thing yeah. as well. Like you know, I, I don't think you should feel guilty at all, bro. Because it's not you. We and you know, even you yeah, 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 exactly. World, we know yeah. that you know it's not you. It's just like the yeah. obviously FOM, Liberty Media, and these people mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, I mean, maybe you could be optimistic and say that they're just trying to focus on one thing at the moment. They've always said they wanted to work on America. Liberty Media have owned Formula One or have taken part like mm-hmm. ownership of it probably since twenty. 16 17-ish so yeah this is like the first time now where we've got two new American circuits like basically joining the flock so obviously COVID had delayed some of that and maybe had it not been for COVID we'd already seen these tracks already been up and ready to go so yeah it, it's very early days and I think it, it's like it, at, for now it's just gonna be this like uh, superficial and, and almost kind of this like uh, speculative as to what we can expect and what will be the final outcome with this in the year's time. One of my other friends here recently had brought up a great question was, if you're getting new into F1, you haven't seen Drive to Survive, you know, how would you go about choosing what team naturally you root for? Oh man, I mean, it's hard. Obviously, I know we're we're both biased. (laughs) I I like Daniel Ricciardo, (laughs) you obviously with Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, but I, I mean, I guess just starting anew, you know, how would you... Do you think you just sit down and watch one race and probably pick the race winner? Or do you think you'd have to do a little more digging? You know, I know there's no right answer. I'm just genuinely curious. You know? Well, that's literally what I was going to say. Man. Yeah. <laughs> write a book and then have like thousands of different calculations. You could reach mm-hmm. that answer because everyone has their own thing. You know, like some people like the cars, some people like the drivers. Mm-hmm. One of my exes, like um, she was like her favorite color is orange. She always had to have orange nails, orange t-shirts. And in, in, I mean, in New York and I guess in, in America as well, orange isn't such a color but in england yeah. like orange is a out there color so <laughs> you know as soon yeah. as like um she started like staying over and watching the, the formula one with me at the time um she's like oh yeah no i just love mclaren that is my team because they're orange and then she was then kind of in a, a toss-up of lando or, or ricardo and i think it's because she was like a primary school teacher and she kind mm-hmm. of like could see how self like self-deprecating lando could be almost like the kids in school as well and tell them off and then they start to be hard on themselves and she just could relate to him in that sense so it, it really depends and then even like with my story i won't even go into it but you know my yeah. dad watched formula one and he's always going on about the guy in red so that's why i followed <laughs> natively uh the guy in red retired and then lewis hamilton was in the sport but i didn't like mclaren because michael was racing against mclaren when he was at ferrari so mm. as much as i loved lewis i didn't like mclaren so then it was a case of ah you know i love lewis but I, i'm like i got a foot in on, on him but i've got a foot out in terms of the mclaren camp and then michael came back in 2010 i was like great that's my boy he was at mercedes he didn't do so well and then lewis replaced michael so that was like the best thing in the world to happen to me because i was like cool the guy i always wanted to support it. now he's in the team that i've always wanted to support as well because of michael mm-hmm. so there's so many different ways you can get into it but if you're talking about some random guy off the street or alien came out of space and said yo which team should i support uh, i would just say to them you know like check the biography of all the teams on the f1 website maybe check their own websites as well and get like a um, you know, like a deep dive into the, the team principles the drivers where the factories are based because if you're american you might have an allegiance to Haas. Mm-hmm. you know if you're italian then obviously you're going to go with ferrari if you're british then obviously you've got mclaren and also mercedes have their headquarters for the formula one team in in, in um milton Keynes as well so yeah and 
also merchandise is a huge thing as well there's some teams which make really cool merch and it's affordable there's teams like Aston Martin which it costs like £1,000 for a jacket so yeah if anyone's know. listening and has an Aston Martin jacket by the way my only genuine us. critique you're, yeah please answer us one and if not two if it's anonymous if you're paying that much for it, I think at that point you're paying for the logo a little bit in some ways. You know, it's jack up the price. I just want to know how comfy it is. That's really what I want to know. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong. You drop it. You're dropping a, a stack of cash on something. It better be comfy. You know, yeah, of course. Nothing touches this body with silk over a thousand dollars. So come on, <laughs> man. You know that that Aston Aston Martin jacket is probably made out of the most royalist cashmere. The most goats Egyptian cotton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't hand, put past those guys. Hand milk spiders. <laughs> Silk. Oh, <gosh>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, just um, there's so many ways you can get into it, man. And there's no wrong or right answer. But yeah, at the earlier point you mentioned as well is you don't just drop your team just because they're not performing well. In Formula One, it's designed so that you know one team don't dominate all the time and uh, well not unfortunately personally i was happy to see it i thought it was technical like innovation and that we were having this discussion the other day on a different platform but uh you know mercedes have been there at the top and the fia said listen you know we we want to reshuffle the pack we want to make it more affordable and like remove a barrier to trade for lower end teams that aren't multi-billion pound or um, dollar uh, corporate conglomerates, you know, yeah. just run the sport. We want the little man to have a chance as well. That's what these regulations are doing, you know, and it's not to say that Mercedes are always going to be down. It's not to say that uh, Red Bull are always going to be up. It's not to say that Haas can't, you know, step it up a level further with, you know, all the, the kind of progress that they're making. So, yeah, like, I'm not going to stick it on people like that. People have their own reasons. Maybe it's banter. <laughs> Maybe it's just that, you know, they, they just want to taste the sweets everywhere they go but i think as a fan you enjoy it more when you've had to grind and when you've had to earn it and you know you could say all right cool no other fan can chat to me like i had a mclaren fan coming up to me the other day saying oh you know the, the mercedes engine suck and uh you guys are costing us i was like hold up hold up buddy slow down there <laughs> <laughs> when we were winning seven, eight constructors championships, you had nothing bad to say about the engine at all. And then when you went on your little journeyman trip with the the Honda engines and that failed, and then when you had the Re the Renault engines and that failed, and then you came back to Mercedes and you got your first win last year with a Mercedes power unit for the first time since 2013, you weren't saying anything about the engine, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, just like I think you you always find that I think in any sport you're gonna find a lot that are fickle and maybe just wanna be wherever the my mom always say they, they wanna put their, their bowl wherever the soup's running hot. But yeah, that's not how it is, man. And even for me, like I know this is gonna sound really backwards, but I'm looking forward to the new F one game just so I can help develop Mercedes. I think it'd be a cool concept to just have like a YouTube series, like trying to make the, the uh, Mercedes as competitive as the Red Bull and Ferrari. And mm -hmm. I think that's the mindset people need to look at. Don't look at it as, oh, I'm losing, this sucks. Look at it as, okay, there's something not right. You have the potential to change it. And when it does change, it could be groundbreaking. And you could be the next trendsetter for the next evolution and stage of developing the cars in the future. Yeah, no, that's a... That's a great way of looking at it. I think just naturally part of me is just like, uh, I get enough of the bandwagon stuff naturally, kind of being an American fan, not in F1, but just in general, you see a lot of that. So to see it in F1 to me is just like, I thought the sport was a little more pure than that, but I guess uh, people are people. So 
you know, it, it kind of is what it is in some ways. But you do bring up a good point where at least Formula One, what I find is so unique is you're really sharing information with other teams. You know, Red Bull this season at least has the advantage and same with Mercedes in some way with the power units where, you know, previously that data might not have mean as much because of other issues going on with other cars. So that that is pretty cool. Um, I and would also, be. I'll, I'll jump in on that one as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well, mm -hmm. being like you know a McLaren man yourself. Um, apparently, your boy Andrea Seidel, he's um, you know, we, we always say on the streets no snitching, but he's moving like Randall in recess because apparently, um, he's talking about essentially protesting Haas because he's suspecting that Haas, or not necessarily Haas, Ferrari, are using their partnership and relationship with Haas to basically mm -hmm. abuse their wind tunnel time because obviously we, we talked about this in previous episodes yeah the yeah. lower teams get more time in the wind tunnel than the higher teams so potentially mm -hmm. it could be that ferrari are using their partnership with Haas to develop certain parts of the car and um obviously mclaren not happy about that because they don't have a sister team or somebody they could do that with so yeah. it's a case of them basically going to the fia and saying yo like we're not happy about this and we want clarification on what is allowed with uh you know like works teams and then customer teams i'd be interested to see your kind of thoughts on one whether or not the protest would even be successful or, or has any legs if it's true mm -hmm. uh, and two as well does something like that actually breach the spirit of the sport or do you think it's just clever that ferrari have a sister team essentially and they're just trying yeah. to maximize everything they can mm -hmm. well I will say this. I think it's actually as much as I can see McLaren's side for it initially, I think it's clever. I think in any sport, especially with new regulations, bending the rules like that makes sense. Um, and when you were even saying that, there's also one great point that um, on a Twitter space with uh, the proverbial, the F1 guy, Vincenzo Landino, he brought up a really interesting talking point where um, he was, you know, essentially. I won't say it because I can't think of how he had phrased it, but more or less was kind of insinuating in some ways that he thought that the person potentially that um, like Magnuson being brought back to Haas was was potentially just to push Mick Schumacher eventually to be that much better of a driver um, eventually for that Ferrari seat if and when he does get it. So Ferrari pulling something like that with a wind tunnel, I would not be surprised at all, um, especially given uh, uh, Gunther's uh, history and, and f1 i don't think he would be one to like turn a blind eye to that at all or anything i think he knows probably what they were doing but i think mclaren it's justified i think obviously they're going to be behind in some ways but um i think it's clever of ferrari i think you get to take it any advantage you can and why not you know plus we don't even know like with that with the rules and everything how clear and transparent you can be with other teams you know, because if I'm Haas, let's be honest, if you're if you're team Haas, your car this season being in the points, huge win. Last two seasons, huge win. Mick, you know, crashed out last week, horrible. Knock on wood, he's going to be fine going forward and everything, but huge win. I don't know how you could not want to give up any of that data right away. Your team has nothing to lose. Like, you might as well improve yourself so you can be competitive in the midfield rather than the backfield. I think it's justified. I don't think McLaren... Uh, I could see them winning the protest. I think it would be, since it's this early on, a good grounds to establish some clarity. But will they win at any ruling? I guess you could say yes, but I've got to imagine Mercedes could be doing that with some of their other teams potentially in those power units. Like, just to be, you know, the devil's advocate, same with Red Bull. But uh, I think it's smart. I would do it. <laughs>
when you yeah, nah, nah, you know, yeah. no, I, like literally and you know yeah. I, I knew we'd come to a similar consensus on it as well yes yeah. i get it from their perspective they don't want other teams to like get and get an unfair advantage and also mm-hmm. for them they're probably just feeling bamboozled that has to just come out of the blue now and sucker punch them for six but at the same oh, time true. as well yeah. mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's you don't like i think and I, I was interviewing bryce just on this yesterday and he said something really clever he was like like basically taking like staying still in formula one is essentially the same as taking two steps back you know if you don't push the limits of the rules and you don't go beyond the gray area and you don't test certain things you never know and with Haas's formula into formula one no pun intended there yeah <laughs> um, you know it, it, it for a time and for a period it's gone up it's gone down and now it looks like it's going back up again because when they entered and they were just buying the parts of ferrari assembling mm-hmm. it and doing what they had to do they were getting results then when obviously ferrari got hit with the whole engine kind of uh constriction thing that inadvertently affected them and also alfa Romeo, to be fair which tend to be a bit more independent in the way that they build a car so yeah. maybe it wasn't fair of us to to like get onto Haas as maybe as uh, radically as we did but maybe also it's because they took and uh, had some dodgy dealings with nikita mazepin and the whole Eurocali money as well and that's probably what triggered people to turn against Haas at that period of time but now that you know they've gone back into the organic kind of way of doing things and they're performing again then yeah it's all forgotten about and people are just happy to see them there so you know and that's what it is you know if you don't take the gamble if you don't take the risk and they're obviously a customer to ferrari and they're gonna be the beneficiary of any upgrades that ferrari do why wouldn't you allow them to you know like have insight into some of your wind tunnel data but you know also i guess it's gonna put the fii under pressure to um to clarify this what, what is allowed because then you can make the argument when uh force india had their copycat mercedes pink pink mercedes car Panthers, a lot of people yeah. were happy about that EV. <laughs> you know and, yeah. and they actually got like uh, in trouble for some brake ducts that were basically not listed parts and so forth and so on as well so it, it's treading on quite eerily similar ground but again the wind tunnel aspect of it's completely different because it's the first time we've had the revolving kind of uh, draft combine system so yeah it's intriguing to see yeah yeah uh just to, to bounce around here too um two two questions i want to pose to you i think this is just good talking points earlier in the season we made some preseason predictions one of them i had was a lando norris race win I still am holding out for that to come true. However, given the performance of the car now, I would probably throw that up as like the same odds of like Ocon winning a race last year. Like it it would be, it's possible, but I think it would still be really surprising at the end of the day. More surprising than expectations I had going into this year. Um, My question to you, drivers that haven't won a race in a while. I'll throw Vettel up there and drivers that really haven't, um, we're not expecting to win. And I don't want to include George Russell in there because he's still in a Mercedes at the end of the day, which is one of the better teams. Right now, just looking at the grid that you see, I'm talking more midfield teams now. What driver do you see actually winning a race this season? And I know that's a loaded question. We can only predict, um, but I think we've had a little bit more time to kind of gauge where some of the teams at. Unfortunately, you know, we're talking non-race winners. Like, there's no way, sorry, Stroll's not winning one. I, I don't want to be blunt and say, like, he can't win one, but I, 10,000 to one odds, I'm not betting on that, you know. 
<laughs> I don't think it's happening. But is there anyone right now you think you could actually see winning a race that hasn't before? Or it's been a while. Ooh, well, I mean, Precious and Alonso. I mean, seeing that the Alpine yeah. is, I, I think, fifth best car. Mm-hmm. I think it's re- like you probably say Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes. Yeah. Actually, you could put them as the fourth best team, to be honest, based yeah. on what you see. Like, yeah. as long as the car, the thing with the cars, as long as it's reliable, which is the next question you have yeah. to put around Ooh. them, they've been getting the performances, you know, and Ocon's been doing really well. So, yeah. but he won last year. So, to yeah. ask the question, were, you, were think, you a fan of their uh, battles last week, too, by the way? Not to cut you off. Did you think yeah, they let it yeah. go too long or no? <laughs> no, I mean, it's hard to say on this one, RJ, because on yeah. one side, I think as a neutral fan looking at them, you love to see inter-team battles and wheel tour racing and these are two drivers that have two completely different points to prove alonso mm-hmm. obviously wants to be as far up the grid as he can because they promised him that that would be the case and um ocon obviously wants to beat alonso this year because he's like obviously won a race last year which was good but overall wasn't consistent enough to beat uh, alonso on points and mm-hmm. obviously, there's no better marker than being your teammate, especially a two-time world champion that's won championships in other sports too. So um, yeah, they were good. They were fighting to the death, man. And I just love the Optimus Avnawa and all the um, the Alpine guys. Just let them race. I think it was getting a bit close though, because essentially they um, it got to the point where Bottas was starting to catch up with them. But then another interesting mm-hmm. point I wanted to bring up as well is that yeah, um, it's good to see that. The cars can physically follow each other and battle for so long, but then the engine reliability also plays a part in that too. And uh-huh. especially with the E10 fuel that the car the cars have this year, and mm-hmm. you know how extreme some of the, the teams have been with the cooling as well. We saw two failures, and it wouldn't surprise me if um, Alonso's engine maybe packed up because uh, his steering wheel was saying "cool car" as he was yeah. leisurely dry, trying to get back to the pits, and maybe oh. it's because. It's, sat behind Ocon way too long in his uh, slipstream and t- hot turbulent air um, and maybe just put the engine just above a certain like um, like temperature range that you couldn't bring it back down into especially with a safety car which also means that cool air can't come into the car because they're going at such slow speeds so there was that and then even Valtteri which was following that train for a long time and then having two lots of turbulent dirty air going through his car as well so yeah, you could say in in short term, yes, lovely to see the battle. And also, uh, from a commercial point of view, BWT are probably loving it, the amount of airtime. Yeah. Because whilst <laughs> that was going on, I didn't get to see one Lewis Hamilton overtake in his uh, P16 up the grid adventure. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it at the end. What was he like? Does P10 even get points? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just where, where he's been in his career, you know? It's pretty interesting. Exactly. Well, it's the oh. lucky heights, RJ, man, because the guy... Mm-hmm people will be quick to say oh he's always in the best car oh he's always doing this he's always doing that but you know you've got to make the most of the machinery you have and when he's always had the better equipment he's always done the job so yeah. it's hard to really knock a guy like that and then when you look at some you hear some of the records it's ridiculous um the last time he ever failed to get out of q1 was 2017 that was, Didn't he have I, was a, I think he had a failure in that race too or something in the quali i think that uh, was it right yeah 2017, I think, was uh, Brazil, Brazil, where like I think he'd already won the championship. He crashed. So, mm. hey, he neither here or there. Um, yeah. And then, what other ones were there? I think the last he, time he, he beat finished, Schumacher for most races, I think, with a consecutive team or something like that, right? 
again, yeah. which is an outstanding record because people mm-hmm. forget as well that when he left McLaren, which was like his homeway, like um, like starter enterprise team, like he'd come through the academy and always been a young driver with them. And when Mercedes said that they were going to buy out Braun and then take it over in 2010, everyone said, oh, that, you know, he's just going there for the money. They'll never win anything. Yeah. And now, boom, just, you know, he, he did it. So, um, yeah. And then the other, like, there's another crazy statistic I heard that uh, Lewis hadn't finished, like, so low in P10 since 2009. Jeez. <laughs> Bro. Better part <laughs> of like, a decade. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, that's like, I'm trying to think, like, 2009, that's nearly 13 years ago. That's like half my age, basically. <laughs> I'm 26. So, yeah. <laughs> the time from 2009 to 2022. Well, yeah, that's crazy to just know that he, he hasn't, like, thing, which goes to show you that he's he's been in his peak and he's sustained that high level of performance. And even just what happened to him like last week it wasn't necessarily him it was just the team exper- doing more experimentation with the car trying to understand it trying to kind of like almost agitate it to see what is the limit with certain things you could do to the suspension or the wing angle adjustments and stuff like that too so they're learning and if you're learning it means to say that you're going to continue to improve and get better so you know short time short term pain for long term game is the is the approach i feel yeah, I think the closest record, honestly, stateside, like professional sports would be like Tom Brady, honestly. He had that level of success. I, I can't quote his stats that well, obviously, now the Tom had, but he just had that same perf- level of performance where it's like he's, you know, it's a little bit different in the NFL, obviously, but all things considered, like that level of success is unreal, um, none, nonetheless. Uh, I will say, too, I thought it was pretty interesting. I like how they let him race. I think it's great just for the sport to see that. And that's why it makes me even more excited for Vegas coming in potentially with the future and these DRS battles. Um, one good talking point that had come up this week. Um, ugh, by the way, before I forget, you were going on a good tangent there, but Ricardo's car stopping. That's why I'm like, all right, I'm just going to turn off the race. This is, <laughs> this is depressing. Like I still want to see the, the DRS battle between Max and Charles. And, and that, that was great. But Ay, 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 Caribe. Like, I'm worried for Danny Rick going in the future. That'll be a reoccurring segment. We'll get, we'll give Danny Rick two minutes every episode just for me and my sake. But man, that was tough. Um, I, I meant to say too, with, with the DRS and everything going on, great discussion. Do you think Verstappen versus Charles right now? Obviously, it's different compared to Hamilton. Um, do you think it's, you know, I don't want to say their racing style is a culmination of so many different things because the DRS is going to be a different strategy. But uh, do you think the racing style between them is going to vary that much um, just in terms because of how well they know each other as drivers? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, to quote somebody else, not my words saying it is like Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen are like track terrorists, like they're the most unstable like most like high risk taking the drivers you will mm-hmm. see and i think that they've had an education i think max learned a lot of lessons last year and he racked up a humongous amount of uh, penalty points so he's realized max has realized so it's not only just the fact that you mentioned that they have previous experience you know in their karting days but max has to look at this in terms of one, I can't afford to anymore because I'm going to potentially get a race ban. Mm-hmm. Two, 
I've already won a championship and had I had like given Lewis space at Silverstone, had I had um, waited a corner or two in Monza, you know, had I had, you know, there's so many had I moments with Max, had he just kind of like lived to fight another day in certain circumstances, he maybe would have been able to walk with that championship sooner. So there's an education for him. And I think winning the championship in whatever conditions he did last year, it's kind of taken some of that pressure off of him. So now he's got a bit more time. And I think the same thing with Leclerc as, as well. Like last year, he didn't beat Science on points. And it wasn't because like he was slower than Science or because he was that terrible compared to Science. It's just he was very inconsistent because he was pushing too hard on the limit and like making a lot of mistakes that he didn't need to make. And I think he's even realized that if you just leave a little bit in reserve and you wait for the perfect moment to utilize it, then that's going to be the key moment. So yeah, there, there is a bit more kind of, I feel, respect between the two of them because I feel that Max knows that Charles won't take his ball the same way Lewis was taking his ball mm-hmm. and moving out of the way just to avoid an accident with him. But at the same time as well, he's gained more experience. He's like learned from one of the best wheel-to-wheel races, Lewis Hamilton, how to go racing. But yeah, that, yeah, you still see that hot kind of streak when he's dive bombing from 50 yards <laughs> yeah. back and you know and, 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 and like falling for the DRS uh, chicken I think that's to, you know, yeah that's a great way to put it line. you know and I'm gonna flip the question to you and say um, yeah. do you think this DRS ch- chicken thing me personally I love it I think it's very cool I, I, I kind of think that it's kind of someone mentioned it, I think it's F1 Black saying that it's like the PlayStation generation of using all the tools and buttons on the steering wheel to do whatever <laughs> yeah. you want which is funny <laughs> but like the flip side of it which was raised yesterday in some works I was doing was um somebody said it could be dangerous you know if you have two drivers that are just like like unprovokedly just braking and then let's say there's a you have the permutation of like a lap car being behind those drivers and then like it's obviously Saudi Arabia can't see the apex of the next corner they're coming around and they've expected the leaders to already just like run off into the distance and then boom there's like a very high closing speed of a driver doing more like 100 kilometers more than the other because the two in front are like trying to play DRS chicken the lap car doesn't really see that happening and strives mm-hmm. in the back of them What's your take on it? Do you think that people have a right to be concerned about the dangers of how extreme it might get? Or do you think that, that that's just what it comes down to? And, you know, pe- people are going to, like, rely on tools like that more because the racing is so close these days. Yeah, I I mean, I just am sorry. I'm still thinking that racing incident video. I got to, oh, I wish I had that raw audio right now. In, I got to clip it in. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. But, um... No, that's a great point. I don't think you know until you honestly know. I think we, at the end of the day, you know, the, the best part about Formula One and Lance Stroll, believe it or not, the few times I will quote, proverbally quote him here, but because I can't remember, but he had a, he had an interesting interview a while ago and I, I can't remember where it was from. So I'm just going to paraphrase, but his, his thing was, you know, Formula One, you're traveling around the world. Think about it. At the end of the day, it's cars traveling around the world, chasing tenths of a second. Like that's kind of nuts in some ways. And I think the the I think the the purist in motorsport will say, you know, that's probably not the way it should be. Some people are gonna say, yeah, you know, I think you have the two sides of purists. Purists saying 
who've watched motorsport forever, like that's not the way racing was intended. You have others will saying, well, that's the ways racing's developed. Let's keep it that way. I don't know if I can have an opinion on either one until it happens. It happens and you have to go from there. I think it's always going to be dangerous. I think going in with the circuits, hopefully teams would be more aware of that, especially with the hidden, the hidden circuits, like you were, had mentioned last time, where you can't really see the corners. Hopefully that's something that would be addressed more, but uh, I think it's going to be one bad accident in the future that happens and changes it, unfortunately, like everything in racing. So I don't want to like uh, just politely put a uh, proverbial carpet over that situation and just sweep it under the rug. Um, but I think that's that's probably what it will come down to. I do think it'll pro ultimately be dangerous, but um, probably enough where it's going to be like the one close call where a driver's like, all right, we got to change this. So, And hopefully teams will be respectful for that because you don't know what teams are going to be in that. That comes back to the whole McLaren thing again with Ferrari, where it's just like, should it be allowed just because it's not affecting me or should this just be hey when it does affect me i'm going to be as pissed off as the next team and i think that's something sure. really strongly to consider so i'll uh, i'll leave it at i think it's dangerous but it'll probably still happen it's the first year like but i don't want to say give the fans what they want but like if that's the way racing style goes we don't know how it's going to evolve either you know so I don't know. We'll give it a few races, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's still early, like you said <laughs> yeah, as well. And yeah, yeah. This, the, I mean, we. It's not. I can't say. I honestly can't say. It's the first time we've seen stuff like that. Yeah, There's yeah. Clips. I think even going back to 2012, where Alonso was trying to beat Hamilton on the final like hairpin of mm -hmm. Montreal, Canada, into like using the DRS just so you could like sit streaming back. So yeah. it's not new, but like you said, I think the grid is a lot more compact. So therefore, you know, when the all lap cars. They're probably not going to get dropped as quickly as they probably were in years previous because the cars are just much more slower and more compact together anyways but yeah you don't yeah. want to be taken away from the action even that's almost what made the battle so cool as well because you've got one driver just relying on raw speed and mm -hmm. just kind of just saying i'll throw everything else in the wind and then you've got another one saying ah all right cool you're faster here, but if I bait you there, then I can just repass you like chess. And, you know, it's a thinking man sport as well as a, a physical sport as well. Yeah, that's a great way. And I think that the beauty of really that converse, like that part of our conversation here is the fact that that is kind of some priceless things where at least drivers are like that is in a way indirectly expanding the sport. You hit the nail on the head, I thought, with Charles, because even though last season maybe wasn't as rewarding for him going forward, if that makes him a better driver and does lead to a world championship where he's more competitive and gives us better racing in general, I think that's a huge win. And, and that's something that metrics can't really measure in a lot of ways, which is great. Um, I was meaning to ask, cause I didn't get to your whole conversation with Bryson the other day. And I don't want to make this episode purely on what's happened because we got to, as much as we want to look back, in some ways, we got to look forward to forward as well. Yeah. Um, do you have any technical analysis you can share for the layperson again who didn't watch or listen to the interview about what we can expect next weekend in Australia at all? Anything yeah, you takeaways from that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so this is the deal um, Mercedes are working on a new floor as we speak. Mm -hmm. uh, Bryson did a really great uh, synopsis and summary of porpoising and essentially, to cut a long story short, to make the cars effective with this new Venturi tunnel that's underneath the floor to get downforce, you need to run the car as low as possible. But when you're doing mm -hmm. that, just like an aircraft, it can cause something called an aerodynamic stall, which is when it stops sucking the car to the ground, you're just creating drag essentially. 
And when you're creating drag, you're putting more stress and pressure on the suspension arms, which causes the car to gyrate up and down and suspension and purpose. Uh-huh. So the issue with that is one, obviously, for the driver's comfortability, it's terrible. You can't really obviously see anything and you know your your feelings probably be shaken out. But two, you're obviously losing time as well because rather than the car just cutting through the air and gliding nice and smoothly, you're disrupting the airflow and basically losing to speed. So Mercedes are looking to bring a new floor. It mm-hmm. could come in time for Melbourne if they can't expedite it or there's rumours that it might not have even made the plane for Australia, which is the same reason as well Haas didn't decide to build another chassis for Mick. Because if he had crashed that one, then yep. they wouldn't have any car at all for Australia. So Smart play. Smart play. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. could come, even if it doesn't come, there'll be other adjustments that they can do and they could move the right height and stuff like that. But it's obviously at the expense of performance. The other thing that people need to take into account also is that Melbourne, the actual track, Albert Park, has been modified. Uh, there was a chicane in the second sector. And what they've done now is they've completely done away with the chicane. And now it's one long straight. So that means that, you know, it's going to be a lot more high speed circuit. We're, we're expecting to see five seconds shaved off of the, ra- the the lap records already, which is nuts. And wow. also what they've done is they've widened the circuit in some places and narrowed it in others. So on the normal, like, first straight, they've actually narrowed it because what they've done is they've increased the pit lane by three meters, which means that the racetrack is narrow on the, pit, the, uh, the straight line, the finish straight, by uh, a couple of meters. The first corner is wider by two meters i think it's turn six or seven have also been widened as well so mm-hmm. essentially what they've done is they've redeveloped the entire albert park to essentially make the racing a lot more closer and it's going to be a lot more high speed as well so i hopefully should uh suit these cars too and the next thing we also have to look at is um melbourne and albert park they've resurfaced the entire track layout so it means to say that, you know, the old, obviously we've been racing at uh, Albert Park for nearly 20 years. So that old kind of wrinkled kind of um, ground that's exposed to the Australian heat, it now has like a new shiny coat of, um, you know, tarmac. And that also might interact with the tyres in a different way. You might see less tyre degradation or because it's a very hot circuit and we're going there, you know, whilst it's still hot as well, you might see very high tire degradation so also look out for people trying to do the two-stop rather than just trying to basically do the one-stop and um obviously it's a circuit that's quite well known for having safety cars too because it's another street circuit essentially that's just used by normal road users when it's not in operation as it's a track so yeah so many different bits to, to take away from that but essentially um ferrari still look like the favorites to go into that race mm-hmm. um mercedes looking to try different things and um, the track times and the, the ways that the cars are going to be going around the circuit is going to be completely different. We basically have to treat this as a completely new circuit. Yeah, I was as you were chatting there, I was looking it up. And yeah, you had mentioned between turn six and seven, the corners widened by about says seven and a half meters. The removal of that chicane where turn nine and ten were... Uh, that's going to be great for some more top speed, obviously, action. That's, that's really exciting here. I, I can't believe five seconds so that's going to be nuts these cars are going to be flying for sure yeah exactly yeah 
and that's the thing like you know Albert Park's always been like a high speed circuit anyway but mm-hmm. when like, when you're like removing these chicanes and stuff like that and like um, track design layouts that bunch the cars up a bit now it's just gonna be like you know who can basically use the energy the best who's got on top of like you know the ever evolving power unit side because another thing that I, I learned from this stage chat too is that mm-hmm. the, the components of the hybrid system that the teams can still develop up until September the deadline on certain components like the I think it's the MGH the energy store the control electronics and those things can still be upgraded so essentially you know we, we can still see potentially upgrades brought to the the power units as the year progresses as well and teams running the the power units at different uh engine levels as well or performance levels some might just be in running the engine in a conservative mode and then trying to increase the boost of power as the season goes by as well so we might even see a bit of that come through this weekend as well that's great i would have and you may have chatted about it, and I would have loved to be there to ask some questions in person. Did you, by chance, with him, chat anything about? Um, I know we talked about, you know, two stopper strategy. Anything about tire degradation at all? Yeah, well, I mean, it's still interesting because I, I just asked him the general question. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. "How is like the tires looking so far?" And um, there's kind of an internal thing. Um, the boss of Pirelli, uh, Mario Isla is essentially considering of making the tires actually more um like uh let's say degradable so you know we obviously were able to see cars last weekend easily just do a one stop and it was cool because we got to see pushing between max and leclerc right to the death yeah but they're actually saying that they might want to throw in some jeopardy so they could potentially mess around with the tire compounds later on in the year and obviously you've got five compounds and there's only three that get picked for a particular weekend so it might also be the case that they they mess around and even though i think the teams pick their allocations at the beginning of the year so it's all picked and ready kind of like programs to probably know how many to make it yeah. is the case where still there is going to be an element of tire management and some of the tracks will go to the surfaces are going to be quite abrasive which will cause more tire wear and also like we've seen as well the hard tires tend to take longer to warm up as well so there's an art in like um your in lap and your out lap and you saw like yeah. max having a meltdown <laughs> in, um, yeah in he Bahrain. complains a lot <laughs> exactly well i mean yeah. they all do but you know yeah 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 this is this is here the moment stuff but yeah just um even on the tires that's not like uh, a stagnant or static thing even that um ironically enough will be changing as the season goes by as well so um you know it's nice yeah. because the tire whisperers like sergio perez still have like a leg stand on and funnily enough he was like a victim of his own kind of um like thing because usually he'd be one of the guys that like you know try and look after his tires safety yeah. car comes out and then he doesn't pit or he's already pitted and then he could go long and just survive the entire race on a set of times mm-hmm. but because he was the one leading the well we didn't get to speak about about this as well like how funny was leclerc's like poker face so he's like yeah box to overtake box to overtake yeah 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 <laughs> got him got him he's from monte carlo you know great great uh gambling city and, and uh not to jab at, at, at Verstappen there, you know, all jokes aside, but yeah, Checo, when you're talking about, that was my main thing, because him and Daniel Ricciardo, I feel like are kind of, I call them the masters, really, with tire management. I think they're both really good about getting the most out of them. This season, I guess it will remain to be seen. McLaren's got their own issues, so if he can even finish a race, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> no shout out, backhanded compliment to them or not, but 
yeah, Checo, uh, man, he just had some bad luck last race, really, at the end of it. But good poker face, obviously, for Leclerc, because I, I feel like as an F1 fan, when we see that, it's normally going on between Red Bull and Mercedes. So as much as I feel for Checo, it's kind of refreshing to see it happen to someone else, you know? Exactly, so. yeah, you know? And yeah. It was just like, it just, it just had to be. It just had to be the lap he was trying to do the undercut. Oops, Latifi comes out of nowhere completely. Yeah, gosh, yeah. That brought me to uh, something I want to say too as well, because I think the best part of podcasts, I think you get these reoccurring segments. And it's nice because I feel like as a a show, we haven't, you know, we do the, we've done some pre-race stuff. We do some post-race. It's nice just to kind of just chat F1 here. And one reoccurring segment, I think we need every single episode whether it's me with a guest you with a guest together or separate or anything the hot seat i think we need something with a hot seat um one just great talking point for me the hot seat right now can be any topic at all proverbial hot seat driver here latifi i kid you not i saw the tweet i will re- reiterate it when latifi goes into a wall hamilton has a bad weekend all jokes aside (laughs) just throwing it out there but the proverbial hot seat now for me that i have an f1 is latifi physical driver here he in my opinion kind of is but with the exception of stroll a pay driver with i know his dad's connections how well doesn't own a team but there and i think that mazepin's gone now people his struggling is more evident than ever you know he really is at the bottom of the grid. I don't want to, you know, disrespect the guy because it takes so much to get into F1. But in that series and in his car compared to his teammate, he's not competitive. And uh, I won't throw any bold predictions out there because our friend Rory earlier in the season built a house on Twitter and said in this house, we believe uh, Latifi will get a podium. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think Latifi will get removed from his seat next year um going forward do you, would you tend to agree or is there someone else on your hot seat with a hotter seat than him uh, may i wish but no right like <laughs> i think you hit the nail on the head there like that guy is in trouble williams are in trouble and um mm-hmm. for you know their level i said it on another like podcast early in the week for the amount of chess that williams are really showing in that uh drive to survive series they've got to find a bra that matches it because you know, they've just been non-stop, like, you know, obviously saying that they're ambitious. They took it over from the Williams. Yeah. They want to move it on, so forth and so on. And, you know, they lost one of their key assets, George. You know, and you still got Latifi there. It's not good enough. And, you know, if it was just a case where he's finishing last place and he's off the pace, but he's finishing the races, I don't think the fans would be able to get onto him as much. And secondly, it would be to Williams' advantage because you need the data. You know, we haven't... Bear in mind we've had testing, I get that. And bear in mind we have two races, I get that. But we've not had like hundreds of thousands of kilometers of mileage with these cars. So every race is actually still a testing session. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't hurt Williams at all if the brother could just bring the car home and give them that valuable data that they could go through and at least see. But when you're crashing cars on lap 17 of a 50 lap race, and you're crashing cars in qualifying. You're crashing cars in practice. You're crashing, ca- crashing cars in the simulator, probably. Like, 
it's it's no good to anyone. It's a huge drawback and a setback for them. And I think his days are, are numbered. And you, you know, I get it. People are gonna like talk about his dad. People are gonna make comparisons with um with Stroll as well. But to be fair, one Canadian's done way better than the other because Stroll's had his pole position. He's had multiple podiums. You know, he's been you know there or thereabouts when the car has been able to do that for him. You know, but with Latifi, I just don't see it. And it's a mental thing as well. Like, the more he continues to, like, make these mistakes, the more it just opens up a kind of worms the next set to come. And driving is about confidence as well. And he comes across as somebody that's, like, desperate, doesn't understand the limits of the car, maybe trying to overdrive the car. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just not going to work. And what he won't get even with the Haas boys and even with Nikita was that although his talent was very hard to see because he didn't perform there wasn't any like highlight of a performance you could say was really commendable at least you could say the Haas was a very difficult car to drive and it was a car that they didn't develop for a year you could yeah. give him that no one can really use that excuse this year because everyone's starting from ground one again. Everybody's got a different car. Like it's a completely different spec, completely different generation, completely probably other than the steering wheel. That's probably the only thing that carries over from the last year. Yeah. You know? So yeah, he, he's in a lot of trouble. I think that uh Williams have to take a and again, another thing I want to say as well is, is that I'm not having to go at the Williams mechanics or like mm. the people on the ground actually trying to put the hard work in it's not them it's the higher ups they they need to be more ambitious they've got the money they've talked the good talk on the internet and on dry to survive as well we want to see it because ultimately like they're saying the williams name shouldn't be distracted in the mud competing for last place uh, in the retirement homes so early you know williams was a serious team you know, back in the day they had like you know the most like like groundbreaking car they were the ones that basically had that the active suspension thing they're, they're the ones that had like you know like the big money sponsors before big money sponsors were the thing because obviously they're a private team compared to a huge manufacturer frank really built a legacy there so i for just you know their sake I don't want to see that tarnished by like jokers like Latifi. It's really, he's had his time now, and I think you know it's it's just a, it's a good time to just leave. Personally, yeah, it's a great, it's a, some great insight there. I was trying to look online right now. Dorlington Capital, it's actually an American-owned company, from what I'm <laughs> reading here, that actually does own it i'm just trying to see where they're exactly from and this article is way too long but let's not get skimpy america let's not get skimpy we're, we're putting our toe in the uh, proverbial f1 pond and you're right you know now more than ever with more exposure into f1 uh especially early on you know you'd hope they really develop a car and i think it comes back to the the, the main the main point and points that have been around f1 is there's a demand for more drivers than or there's a demand for more seats that F1 has a, has available because of all the good drivers out there. And I, I think now actually in this new age, unless you know new teams do come in, like we've chatted before about Andretti, I think it might be a quicker exit window for some of these other drivers. And I unfortunately, I think Latifi's got literally one foot out the door. Or I did say window, so one foot out the window rather. <laughs> <laughs> if that's even a, if, if that's even a, uh, if we just came up with a new saying here, I don't know. Probably well, I hope not, he doesn't but... jump out of a, of, of a tool building because uh, that would result in another crash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope, no, no, no. 
but yeah, I will, we'll see. I don't know if it's one of those. And that's the crazier part about F1 with a longer season. Is there some sort of mid season switch or something like that? You know, cause you could make the argument that could happen with some other drivers on some other teams possibly too coming forward. But uh, that's the exciting part of F1. You really never know. So um, we'll see, but yeah, I would think Latifi's on the hot seat. We'll, we'll keep him there probably until he's gone. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, just that's the thing, RJ. Like, you know, if this was a guy that like it was like a mistake here or there, or you know, you made a mistake, but then he had an ex- exceptional weekend the following week, like a Sonoda, you could cut him some slack. You could say, All right, cool, I know this is your level, this is your potential. Work towards it. But this guy doesn't give you no- and that's the thing, like even just as like a Lewis Hamilton, like or Mercedes fan, a lot of us forgave him, like, for what he caused last year, mm-hmm. you know, because essentially what he did triggered that chain of events but this year it's clear he hasn't learned he's doing the same stuff over and over and over yeah. again and it gets tiring because like you said there's so many drivers that you know are like they they they, they want that seat they deserve that seat and you know like guys like latif you stink the drain up and you know there's like yeah it's not fair but you know i mean is anything in life fair these days so mm-hmm. it's a tough balance and i think that you know if, if williams can do a has and actually do something decent you know in the future or next year then i think they, they could be remiss but if it's a thing where they just continue to stick with this uh pay model they have and they're not making these steps forward then it makes you question why they're even in the sport yeah that's a great point. And speaking of being in the sport, the daily racing story, another recurring segment we need, because this is the DRS Zone podcast. With any daily racing story, bring it to our attention. Let's try to chat about it. But the one that I wanted to talk about that's awesome, because it actually happened on this day in 1977. I don't know if you follow Matt Bishop at all. He does work with uh, Aston, Aston Martin team just really good follow on twitter highly recommend him always is coming out with these and uh this is actually about andretti which i think is sweet so we should we should we'll share here on this day in 1977 mario andretti won at long beach long beach being in california so this race actually if you're not familiar with it long beach in in my mind i actually believe was was a race prior to vegas happening and i believe it was eventually replaced by las vegas and i think they brought it back there so someone can fact check me but anyways 1977 mario andretti won at long beach and became the first u.s citizen to win an f1 grand prix on u.s soil it was also the first one ever for colin chapman's revolutionary and beautiful lotus in 1978 which is awesome so Mario Andretti coming, winning first time almost, you know, 40 plus years ago. And then on top of it, uh, Andretti possibly coming back to F1. Well, so cool. We need it. We need it. Yeah. I hope uh, I hope they make the transition here. We'll see. That's, that's the one team if you're going to join F1 America listening uh, wherever. We need Andretti in the sport. That will be our team. We can prove it to all these Euro fans. America can do it once and again and uh, make this not just be a uh, European sport. Well, I mean, again, it's all possible there, RJ. And I think also what they've mentioned as well is 
they're even going to scrap parts of the hybrid system. So it's the MGUK I, I learned yesterday that's going to be scrapped. It's one of the most complicated parts of the hybrid system and it costs lots of money to develop and to basically manufacture. So we might have the la- likes of the Porsche, like Volkswagen Audi group come into it. Yeah. If that's the case, it then gives like teams like Andretti options. They could go with a Mercedes power unit or they could collab with McLaren and just go down their own route. You know, you've got a lot of McLaren fans saying they want out of the Mercedes camp right now because they don't think the power unit is strong. That's their opinion. And if they wanted a way to do it, that might be the way to, to have it, you know, to basically be like a manufacturer in a sense like to have an exclusive engine deal with Porsche or like with uh, the Volkswagen Audi group and to have that in for 2025 you know if they decide that um, they want to wait or you know if they they don't come in as early as 2023 so yeah there's so many options for them and I think again it would be a great story because we want to see more drivers on the grid and we want to see people get more opportunities yeah I I couldn't agree with you more and with the potential that Porsche comes in or that too do you think Outside of the name exposure, um, do you think that's actually good for Formula One to team for teams to have more options? So you kind of, you know, because don't get me wrong, I could see the skepticism from a team like Mercedes or Ferrari or any team currently there not wanting another manufacturer to come in because at the end of the day, that might be one less data point for them. Where if you're a McLaren, obviously not happy, why not jump ship in some ways? I still think it's a little bit early, like you said. I, I don't think you can put it all down to one season especially if these cars are supposed to be running for the next three or four years but if they have that many data points and feel that strongly about it you know maybe it's within obviously they're right and then that comes back to the whole political talk we talked before you know maybe uh if everything happens mercedes with all the information they'll get possibly from next year's wind tunnel and same with ferrari in some ways they'll say you know let us let them keep doing it if mclaren wants to bring in one of these other teams that's kind of our trade-off for it you know something that could happen who knows so but, true yeah, yeah absolutely yeah any uh final thoughts or final words as we uh wrap up here at all oh uh, man um predictions where we got we have to do predictions for uh, australia who, who's in the oh, top three and who's getting home oh ho, ho. all right i love that um the pp here so who for pole position um you know what? I am actually gonna. Th- I'm actually gonna go. I said it last week. I thought Carlos was gonna do it, and Perez shocked me. So I'm actually gonna put it back with Carlos this year. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give Carlos pole um, for podium. Uh, who? You know, weirdly enough, I. Th- I'm gonna throw. Ooh, I like a mixed book. I like it. You know what? I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull on podium. And I'm actually going to go with podium here. I'm going to go, I'm going to have Carlos winning it. I'm going to throw Verstappen on there as well. Charles, who knows what's going to happen is maybe he's not on there. And then I actually go George Russell, all three of them. Yep. Kind of a, kind of an interesting mix. Yeah. Spicy mix here. So I think the hard part that we don't know with the new chicanes, uh, with everything is or yeah lack yeah the yeah sorry the lack of chicanes rather is i think it's going to be i think drivers as much as you're in the moment i think drivers will kind of forget that i think even with the practice sessions i i and and everything being regraded i think it's too good to be true not to have a crash every single race um so for some reason i see the grid getting shook up in that sense so but it's just a prediction obviously so don't uh 
don't point a proverbial gun at my head here because I don't have Hamilton on pole or winning this thing, but who do you got? Oh, man. Well, I mean, Ferrari have always done historically quite well at um, Albert Park. So um, I'm going to go for Leclerc and Poe and then a Red Bull driver in second. And then as for the race, I think, I don't know what it is. I just think that um, Leclerc and Max are going to have it out. I think that the two of them are going to be involved in the collision, which jeopardizes both their races. Science will go on to win. Lewis second. And then I'm going to say Russell third. And then as for my uh, pick, Haas have always done notoriously quite well at uh, Albert Park. I mean, it's one haunting year you'll probably remember from Drive to Survive. Speaking about this on the um, the F1 stream I was doing yesterday, uh, the, the gaming stream. Yeah. That, um, there was like a really torrid pit stop. I don't know if you remember the slow pit stop, the bad pit stop that Haas had when both cars were in the points that year in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they didn't fasten the wheel gun properly enough, which meant mm-hmm. when they went out of the pits, <laughs> the car had to retire. Yeah. And then two laps later, the exact same, they didn't learn the lesson. Same thing happened again. Yeah. Like, yeah, and you know what's funny about that too is a few weeks ago when Drive to Survive came out, my girlfriend and I were actually uh, were, were watching. We watched the Yuki Sonoda that episode, but she wanted to watch original, and that was the first episode of Drive to Survive. That episode in Australia where they did have that, which I thought was just a great. That's a great snapshot into what Team Haas has kind of been like the last few years, uh, with the exception of this year in the points. So. I do like that take. I hope Ma- I honestly would like to see Magnuson on a podium eventually this year. I think that could happen. Honestly, yeah. Forget the f- I- knock on wood. Sorry, Fernando Alonso, but I want to see Magnuson on a podium. Haas podium is what this sport needs. Straight up, so the streets need. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you ch- you chatted earlier about uh just before I forget about teams and different drivers, and we were chatting about Latifi here. Man, no way on. God's green earth, as my dad always says, on God's green earth, there is no way Mazepin would be even a fraction of successful as Ma- as uh, Magnuson has been this year. Mazepin. No doubt. Yep. It's funny, no doubt. But, uh, no, but, no, no doubt. No yeah. doubt at all. Yeah. There's, there's not even a question mark there. And that's the thing with Kev. He's always had that brilliance in him. He's always had the ability. He's been shaken up a bit and had to you know, move from team to team. He did a stint at McLaren. Ironically enough, in the first race of the turbo hybrid era, Kevin Magnussen actually got a podium. But... He was disqualified because McLaren did something shady with the fuel. I think they um, they beat the fuel flow limit, which uh, is quite quite funny because we had it wasn't the same sub issue, but it was like a similar fuel related thing happened to Red Bull in the first era of this really kind of gentrified uh, V V6 hybrid era. So yeah, he's um, he's no stranger to uh, Australia, and um, yeah, just. Um, He's doing so well. And I think as well, it would be so cool for Mick to get his first ever points at Australia mm-hmm. as well. There's there's no cooler circuit, I think, to get as well for your first. Yeah, I would love, if that's the case, you know what I want to see too? Uh, I want to see him do a shoe with Daniel Ricciardo. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> that's my dream. That's my dream finish. Um, well, somebody said this as well. They were like, Daniel has never really had much luck at his home race either, but it'd just be so cool as well if he had a rub of the green and was able to like win a race in his home ground free because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that would be awesome. That I would uh I would not say no to that. <laughs> I, <wouldn't laughs> I would either. love that. Yeah. Um 
what I want to listen to more of is is your podcast, obviously with Bryson. And for the viewers listening right now, um, we'll we'll include a link, but but uh, give us just the give us just the name and what you've been up to on that platform as well. Yeah, man. I mean, um, shout out to Georgina Donna. She's based in Sri Lanka, and you know, just one day she just DM me. I was like. Dens, could you um could you be on the podcast one day? So I was like, okay, cool. I'll I'll do it. I'll just you know me just being modest me. I was like, cool. Yeah. And then yeah, you know, we had chemistry, we hit off, and she's like, You have such an amazing voice. And I was like, <laughs> I really don't. I'm just a normal guy from North London. <laughs> but thank you though. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, no, of course. Always taking compliments. Yeah, of course, man. So no, you know, she's been cool and she's just allowed me to co-host some of the um the episodes. And oh my god, she was so nervous about like this whole thing with Bryce. Because, you know, for those of people that live underneath a rock, like Bryson has a really in-depth background with like mm-hmm. aerodynamics and engineering he's been to university to study that he's got a phd in that thing as well man so he's no like you know slacker when it comes to stuff like that and really anytime there's an f1 talk space i can guarantee you that guy's inside there oh so, yeah he brings so many followers he, he joined that one of our spaces the other day and i swear like we went from like 10 people to like 60 in a, in five yeah. seconds he, yep. people people want to listen to what he's got to say so i'm excited to listen to what he's got to say too exactly man he's like he's like noah <laughs> you know yeah. like uh, just, just like bringing every, all the, um, the the f1 fans onto the ark but uh <laughs> yeah so uh you know georgina has been really cool and she's brave because i think as well like it's one thing like reaching out to certain people, but you don't know what like frame of mind they're in. They might say mm-hmm. no. They might look at you as like a small fish in like a big pond, essentially, and look down on you. But so far from what I've seen, she's had some really great responses. So uh yeah, and at some point we'll have to bring we've not had like a female like participant on the show, bro. So we're gonna have yeah. to start diversifying soon as well. Get her on, you know. And- yeah, we need to. I think it'd be nice even just to get if because we record the, obviously these podcasts for the layperson on Sundays and it's more or less us just shooting each other kind of when we're up in some ways. Um it would be nice just to even do that just even like a live stream like we did on the YouTube before and just keep that going with the podcast. That that would be nice too. Because the few yeah. people that did that did tune in before it is nice because it's kind of like a live and in your face type deal in some ways so that would be that's that's a great idea we do need her on there and anyone who honestly really wants to come on dm us us a message yeah dm us yeah Yeah, just um oh man she was she was so nervous about the whole bryson thing because you know like obviously it's one thing just having general chit chat with people like me and you but then if you're gonna like approach somebody that has a lot of like you know intel and knowledge about stuff you don't want to be seen as asking them the wrong questions or asking them the same thing the same like way so yeah but you know it's really insightful um you know one hour and 42 46 minute uh segment there so anything you need to know about formula one i guarantee you it's in there like, it's <laughs> nuggets of information for everyone and Honestly, Bryson's super cool like that because he doesn't waffle on to the point where like you're gonna really struggle to kind of keep up with him. He gives some really great analogies and just for the layperson, like you said, brings mm-hmm. it down to the surface level so you can get everything. And then you're like, "Raw, I could be an aeroscientist as well." I'm <laughs> <Maybe not. laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, 
but no, like honestly, so insightful. And again, like um, it's somebody that we'll probably have to have on, and I'll, I'll let you kind of take the driver's seat, and you can ask him some questions as well, because he's very, very, very keen to kind of like you know talk and you know be in different spaces and meet different people, and that's what we like about this community as well, and that's what we want to build here at the DRS Zone as well. We want like a very wide plethora of people with different mm-hmm. skills, different backgrounds, different stories. That's what it's all really about, and um, you know we're we're very excited so um i was even speaking to Rhett earlier um shout out to racing telemetry as well um you know a super cool guy that like has insights into mm-hmm. you know like um gps data and throttle tra- traces and braking traces so he could show you verstappen and lewis's trace and could show you who's braking earlier who's braking later who's getting onto the power sooner who's got more top speed on one straight compared to the other like it's really next level stuff so big shout out to him as well and yeah there's so many people out there man we're just thankful to be amongst it mm-hmm. you know and to be a hub full of these different cultures and stuff like that as well so yeah we're, we're really really excited and Rhett as well has been working hard you know you guys need to go and check out the website as well mm-hmm. and just you know the um the creation and the masterpiece that he's building there as well because it's it's coming along quite strongly yeah, we got a, our bios are loading, but we, I will include, I should tweet out actually with this episode. I don't even want to edit this thing, to be honest. I just say, let's let her, yeah. let her, let her rip ski. But yeah, the website, it will be nice. And uh, it's just hopefully reoccurring more articles. Cause you know, as much as I, there's kind it's kind of like taboo. It's like for me. And I think for us, it's like a form of therapy. This is just a normal conversation on a Sunday. It's chill, no pressure. Some people, I think you take it way too extreme, which is, you know, don't want to say anything about anyone else, but <laughs> yeah, you know, like that's why I think it's cool. Like you have the Georgie's thing. I think that's awesome. But, um, I will say it is nice to connect. And I think us just chatting here now thinking about it, it's like, we should make it a point to really interview any bigger or big, bigger, small F1 account that people know about, like the F1 visualized that account that always goes through the different graphics. Like whoever the heck runs that, I want to be in contact and just know yeah. what the heck they're motivation was in one account um did i tell you what the champagne and slicks at all uh photographer dude that's like very retro oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's an episode see like (laughs) with a handle like that man you can't forget that's a really cool no yeah yeah but i have a actual uh, audio and a video podcast that'll come out i'm i think i'm just gonna drop it tomorrow just for everyone's listening but this account's really cool and uh we go through how he got into his account his racing and everything like that his favorite races and it's it'll be really unique and then uh we have an interview later tonight i'm actually excited with uh i told you about nfts that'll be really interesting racing nfts that not that i know enough about it but i'm just gonna act really stupid and see how i can get educated (laughs) bro that's the way to go about it man and that exactly you see like how formula one is growing exponentially because Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that NFTs could be related to F1? I'm sure there's some kind of genius, like financial kind of gain that you can maybe get from it. And also, it might just be cool, you know, to have your own non-fundable token that's like re- unique to you, and only you can have the rights to that and stuff like that too. You know, so yeah, you know, we're seeing not only just merchandise, but NFTs and other things that you can invest in back into the sport, which is super awesome to see as well. Yeah, especially with all the crypto connections. So I can't wait. But uh, yeah, we'll keep it going, obviously. Keep the conversation. Um, you know, be sure with the DRS zone. So we we will have a website that'll launch. I'll put the link in here too. Um, in the early stages, obviously. But like anything, it takes time. And uh, 
comments, critiques, whatever you want to give it, we're here for it. It's just a passion project and uh, we only want to go upward, you know? So we're like, uh, I don't know where we're sitting. There really is no podium for us, but I'll say we're kind of in that McLaren. We got a lot of hope <laughs> right now. <laughs> we're only going to go up. <laughs> we're only going to go up. <laughs> Started from the bottom, now we hit. <laughs> oh yeah, love it. So that's all I got. Um, I'm RJ. That's Dense. Dense. Yep, we love it. Um, you know, keep it coming, guys. Uh, we'll we'll chat with you sooner or later. Hop on the F1 spaces. Always be engaging, and uh, we're always here to chat F1. Um, bef before we go to one last shameless plug, it's Georgie's stripping the dipping. Did I say that right or no? Yeah, yeah, man. Like, did you again, come up I with that? Because I'm thinking you got uh, you got you, you know <laughs> nuggets dipping in the sauce here. <laughs> hey, man, of course. So you know, McDonald's might have to give me that endorsement once upon a time, but no, it was all Georgina. I just co-host it, and you know, sometimes like she's got some other stuff to do as well. So she'll give me this like the the role of just interviewing the interviewees, and yeah, honestly, it's been really insightful. Some of the people that we had on. I think we've got uh, ex Red Bull uh, technician or, or mechanic or engineer coming on there soon as well. And um, bro, at some stage, we're going to have to get you on that platform as well, man. And probably try and get some other American. Maybe we could have like an American feast, just like all our favorite Americans in one space as well. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it's going to be so awesome seeing like all of us in, in like different universes just like coming together and doing stuff like that. But yeah, some yeah. really cool nuggets information there. Some awesome information and nuggets right here the DRS zone. so make sure you subscribe to all of them exactly yeah i don't usually use this platform to cross over so much in the sense with like other random things not f1 related but it's kind of like the avengers in some way yeah not that yeah. i'm a car yeah, but you know it's like everyone everyone's got their random superpowers like we're not the only podcast people want to listen to it's why i want to give them a you know obviously shout out too so check out uh georgie stripping the dripping i'll put a link in that in the bio oh, gosh i sound like an influencer now click the link in the bio smash the like bucket you know <laughs> oh, the like God. button all that yeah but we're not that cringy on this show but um anyways yeah give us a follow i guess regardless shameless plug now check out that podcast um we will have the website obviously you know launching now soon there are some cool racing stories as as well i will mention on there um that we'll have to chat about more um, and that's all we got for you folks. So have a good rest of, uh, your weekend, start off the week, right? This next week. And, uh, we will see you guys all sooner or later, Australia. So excited. Awesome. And good. I might, it's Australia and it's going down on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, man. <laughs>